You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Monday and welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and today, well, today you just get me. Like I said on Friday, life twists and life turns, and right now, it's just been a busy time for the boys, so it's just going to be me today. No handoff to Drake, no handoff to Dave, but we've already done our schedule for the week, and I promise it will be back to a two- and three-man schedule Tuesday through Friday, so bear with me today. We'll get there. I am on the road right now. For those of you that listen regularly, it's the Mobile Command Center where I stand an extra night in Sarasota. I will be back in Tampa tomorrow in the studio, A-plus sound quality, all that good stuff. But yeah, I guess I got to bring my A game because, um, well, I you know we were told on Twitter by a guy who doesn't have his name on his Twitter that you know we need to uh, we need to step it up and he's going to give us three listens or he's not going to listen. I, I would counter that we have plenty of episodes that if you're a first time listener and want to evaluate our performance in the aggregate, you could go back and listen to three episodes and make your decision on that. However. He does it the way he chooses to do it, and I'm not going to argue with him. I'm just going to try to bring my A-game specifically for him today. And speaking of scouting, speaking of looking at someone's performance in the aggregate, Florida State's done it again, specifically Alex Atkins. If you weren't following Twitter yesterday, because, I don't know, you were spending time with your family, going to church, cooking out, going on a boat, playing with your kids, any of the other things, watching. I guess men's basketball lose to France, like all the other stuff you could do other than be on Twitter all day Sunday. You may have missed it. We got our sixth offensive line recruit of the 2022 cycle. The sixth. It's not the biggest number in the world, but boy, is that nice to see at a position of need when we've got a position coach like Alex Atkins that's going to coach these kids up when they get here. Uh, Look, I'm not going to pretend like we're going to keep all of them, but if we start with six, that's, that's much better than leaving the summer with like, two or three. Now this new guy is Daughtry Richardson. He's an offensive tackle out of Miami Central. He is six foot four, 285 pounds. Y'all know me. I, I you know, I, I kind of like to see a little more height on the offensive tackles. Uh, I think we got Alu Ba, ba sorry, who is six five. I think we have another six five guy in the class. I'd really like to see us get some of those six six, you know, six foot six, six foot six and a half tackles, but I'm not going to hold that against Daughtry. He's a three-star prospect. 44th offensive tackle nationally, 60th ranked player in Florida right now. Again, Miami Central. Look, it doesn't hurt to see kids out of South Florida. If we can start making that recruiting ground fertile again, that's going to be great for the program long term. And again, whatever raises the floor of this offensive line room, I'm happy with. I watched a little bit of Daughtry's film. So let me let me say this. The thing I like about him most is the thing I think he needs to improve on the most as well. He's physical at the point of attack. He's mean, he's aggressive, and he loves to finish blocks. Lots of tape from last season, his junior highlights of him putting kids in the dirt. However, just a little critique that I know will get worked out at the next level. He's sometimes a little little too tenacious late into the block. And and I'm not saying that like a wimp. I I don't want kids to not be physical. But there were a few times on his highlight tape in the run game where he probably could have gotten off the end 
climbed himself to the second level and you'll see a linebacker come in and make the tackle. And it really is something where, or he's blocking down, uh, you know, with the guard. And again, once that's sealed in the back, gets around you and you know it's not going to get to the line of scrimmage i'd like to see him climb to the second level that's something that's very teachable and i think he just again i'd rather have a kid that likes to hit and you have to tell him to play with a little more sense you know once the block's sealed get up the field than a kid that is scared of contact and isn't physical and isn't aggressive i think daughtry's a good pickup and then next we've got daniel lyons a six foot four 270 pound d lineman out of homestead florida and I think Daughtry is a good player, but I have to say what I see on Daniel Lyons tape, I like more than what I saw on Daughtry Richardson's tape 100%. Now that doesn't mean Daughtry Richardson's a bad player by any means, but I really like this, the tape on this Lions kid. He's at a three-star right now on the 247 composite. You look at his offers, we beat out Ole Miss, we beat out Miami, we beat out Florida. He's got a lot of big time offers and his tape was really impressive for a D tackle. He lines up at that right tackle spot, nose guard spot some. He's six foot four, 270 though. So a little lighter than I'd like to see, but a little taller than you normally see. He's really good at doing the thing I love to see from defensive tackles. He gets upfield and he makes tackles from behind. You see those two things in a defensive tackle. I, I don't know. I'm not a, I never played D tackle. I, I probably should ask Moose about this, but I, I love seeing those two things because getting upfield shows me he's fast, he's athletic, and he's going to put pressure on the quarterbacks from the middle, causing them to roll out into what's hopefully a, a defensive end sitting there, although we haven't really had that in the past few years. And I love to see a lot of drag down tackles from behind because that shows me two things. One, he's an effort player. He's high motor. He's sticking with the play even after it's gotten by him. You know, typically, hopefully it's not going right by him, but, you know, going on the other side of the line. It shows me sticking with the plays over, you know, wherever they end up anyway. And the second thing I really like about that is it shows me that he's not getting so sucked into his, his block in front of him and trying to get off the offensive guard that he's completely losing sight of the play. So even when he's engaged, he's seeing where the play is going and he's getting over there and he's making this tackle from behind. So I love the tape on this guy. I think that's just a phenomenal get for Odell Higgins. Again, do I think he's going to be a first-round draft pick because of those things? No. I think we're going to have to figure out where he fits. Again, 6'4", 270. That's probably more defensive end size. I don't know if he has the speed for a defensive end. I, it'll be interesting to see what they want to do with him. But I think he raises the floor of that room, and that's what we're looking for right now. So two great gets, both in the trenches for the Florida State Seminoles, one for Alex Atkins, one for Eldell Higgins, for y'all counting at home. And if you're counting calories at home, not my best transition, but we'll roll with it. Make sure that you're eating delicious, nutritious snacks instead of sugary, salty goodness. I know, I know it's hard. Trust me. I, uh, I'm the first guy to reach for a candy bar. I don't look like it all the time because I don't reach for protein shakes as much as I should, but I, I love just a good cheat snack, a nice little Snickers bar, maybe even a big old Mountain Dew, but you got to stay strong and it's a lot easier to stay strong when you've got that. Well, when you're not sacrificing as much taste, right? When you're, when you're working with something that's a little more palatable when it's in your mouth, you know, and it also has great protein, low carbs, low sugar. And folks, y'all already know where I'm going with this. Built Bar does that for you. Just go get them. Builtbar.com, promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your order. 
but they have so much more than bars now. They've got the little bites. You can get a variety pack. You can do all kinds of things. Y'all get some built bars, feel good, look good, all that good stuff. Lock 15 is your promo code. All right. So driving the news today, as y'all know, well, really driving it all week, we're going to be talking about realignment. How could we not? Realignment, realignment, realignment. So if if you've been sort of checked out, if you're on vacation, it's the summer, it happens. I get it. Let me fill you in. Last week, we first heard a rumor, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, that Oklahoma and Texas were, quote, in talks with the SEC. Then it came out that Oklahoma and Texas were very interested in joining the SEC. And very quickly after that, like a freight train, it just blindsided the world of college football that Oklahoma and Texas had been talking to the SEC unbeknownst to Texas A&M for like six months, at least three months. And they fully intend to notify the Big 12 that they're not going to renew their grant of rights and they are ready to ship off to the SEC as soon as 2023 as late as 2026, depending on what they're able to work out with the Big 12. Oh, man. Just, just absorb that for a second. You know, it's funny. It's, it's, there's so much speculation. There's so much talk about what would the future look like? Should we expand the playoff? All that. And then something happens, and it's like, boom. The dominoes start falling. The bullets start flying. And we are in another major realignment of college football. So what's it going to look like? Well. I think there's a couple theories on this. What I'd like to do, since again, we'll be talking about this, I'm sure, all throughout this week and probably for the foreseeable future as more information continues and to, to just come out of this faucet. What are the plausible scenarios? What are the possible scenarios? What are the unlikely but pretty cool, you know, scenarios that we can dream up? And where do we see Florida State fitting into all of those? I'm gonna start with Probably the most talked about, but in my opinion, one of the more unlikely, less plausible scenarios. Not impossible, but again, I don't think this one's likely, and that's the Super League. Immediately after that news came out that it was pretty much a done deal for Texas and Oklahoma to go to the SEC, it started to leak out, okay, who else has talked to who? Well, we found out that the SEC had allegedly talked to Florida State, Ohio State, Clemson. Names like that were getting tossed around, and they were, again, from good reporters, so I don't think they were made up. I, I genuinely don't think that, but I don't know. I'll get to that in a second. So people start throwing out, okay, well, what's it going to look like? Is you know is the SEC going for an 18-team conference? Well, then, again, the bullets are flying, folks. More news is coming out. We get wind that sources inside the SEC high up are saying, well, We'd like to see a 20, 24 team super conference and they're open to it. Now, first let's talk about what does that look like? And then we'll get to where I think Florida state fits in. And then we'll get to the plausibility of it. I think what that looks like is you would have three pods of eight teams. You, I don't think you expand the schedule of college football. Really? I think you still try to shoot for that 12 game situation with a super conference, I don't know if you try to keep like a seven and four, you know, or a whatever, eight and four conference to non-conference ratio. I think you probably try to bump it up because you're going to want to do at least all seven teams in your pod. 
then you're probably you're definitely going to want to have at least one crossover from each of the other pods bringing you to nine. So maybe you do a nine and three, or maybe you do an 11 and two, take it up to a 13 game regular season. That's where I see the most realistic situation. I think you have to do a seven, two, two, because there will be some sort of, in my opinion, playoff situation. Uh, Again, just sort of, I guess, putting the cart before the horse here, the way I see it going, if they go to 24 is you're going to have another conference and it will have to be the big 10 for reasons I'll get to in a moment going up to 24 as well. And at that point, you will basically have your 48-team Super League of college football. So what you'll have is you'll have your three pods. At the end, I think you'll have a four-team playoff in the SEC, probably a four-team playoff in the Big Ten. The champions of those leagues will play each other for the the college football super-duper ultra-mega-league championship. Whatever they decide to call it is irrelevant. That is, in my mind, the most likely scenario of a Super League. Now, I'm about to get to in a moment of why I don't think that's a plausible scenario, but if there's a Super League, I think it's a two-conference Super League, similar to the NFL. You see 48 teams. Maybe you go up eventually and you end up with like, what would eight more be? 32. You end up with a 64-team situation. But that's that's just how I see it would work. I think it has to be the SEC because, well, they're moving the pieces around the chessboard right now. So whoever has the first mover advantage is not going to get cut out of this new market. And it has to be the Big Ten because if you're not familiar with this, why would you be? You're a Florida State fan. Unfortunately, no, I'm just kidding. Fortunately, I my other my other school is Pennsylvania State University, which is part of the Big Ten. And the Big Ten has what's called a the Big Ten Research Alliance or Academic Alliance, I think, the BTAA, where all of these extremely wealthy schools with large endowments and huge budgets for research have committed to helping each other with said research, to sharing resources, to working together, to offering help with each other. It's it's Look, I'm not a researcher. I'm sorry. I'm just throwing stuff out that I can kind of relate to, I don't know exactly how PhD level collegiate research works, but I know that it's a really big damn deal to be a part of this Big Ten Alliance. And I don't think saying, hey, we want to leave the Big Ten to go be good at football is really going to sway those folks to give you a pass and let you leave for football, but not stay in the Big Ten Alliance. So the other conference, in my opinion, has to be the Big Ten. How do I think this looks? Well, Again, you've seen it thrown out. The SEC wants to grab Ohio State. Don't see that happening. They're in the Big Ten. They're going to stay in the Big Ten. Michigan, any Big Ten team, I believe, is going to stay in the Big Ten. You're not seeing anyone leave the Big Ten. Anyone that is a major university, that is. Could you see Maryland leave? I I don't know, maybe. But you're not going to see Michigan leave. You're not going to see Ohio State leave. It's just not going to happen. So then you have your Clemson, Florida State coming in, probably. I guess they try to grab a couple other big schools. I, you know, I, I don't know the plausibility of them even getting from 16 to 24. Step one, do they have eight other teams that the SEC cares to take? I'm cynical. I think they first look at revenue. I do. I think that they'll say, okay, we got your Clemsons, you got your Florida States. And then they start looking at major markets. Do they want to bring in a Cincinnati? Do they think that that's a big market? Do they want to bring in a Houston? Do they think that's a big enough market to justify bringing in those two teams? 
Again, I don't think so because I'll get to this in my second scenario. I think those two teams probably already have an idea of how they're going to respond to this. So I'm skeptical to see if they can even get to six or 24 teams. I think the Big Ten's move, if the SEC is able to pull it off, and let's say they are able to pull it at Ohio State and Michigan, then I think you're going to see the Big Ten make a break for the academic schools of the ACC. I think they're going to go for probably a Wake Forest, definitely going to go for a UNC. They'll definitely go for a Virginia Tech. And then I think they have to go start looking at the Pac-12. There's a couple great schools out there, right, again, that fit the Big Ten mold of athletic history with academic excellence. UCLA, USC, Stanford is a no-brainer there. So I think they actually have an easier route, in my opinion, to a super conference because, again, they can they can look at it more holistically, whereas I think the SEC needs you to bring football pedigree and bring eyes to look at their networks, to watch ESPN, to do all that. Now, why don't I think it's plausible other than it's hard to get to? Well, I just don't see, other than getting out from under the NCAA, why? I mean, really, I, I think it's one of those things that is fun to talk about. We, we look at it and we go, oh my gosh, this would be insane. Could you imagine? But I do see the uproar on Twitter. I see the uproar on Reddit. I see the uproar in group text all over the place. People don't really seem to want this. And I do think that as much as people can't stand the SEC, I always think back to the Patriot, right? It's one of my favorite scenes that I, that I think about regularly as business things pop up when Mel Gibson stands up in that church and he says, oh, sorry, it was City Hall, not, not the church. In Charleston, he says, why would I trade one tyrant 10,000 miles away for 10,000 tyrants one mile away? I don't know if I see all these teams jumping into one conference and just saying, okay, and the SEC commissioner is going to be the, the leader of all this, and we're going to leave the NCAA, and we're going to just have some sort of gentleman's agreement with the Big Ten that we're going to have a championship at the end of the year. It just doesn't seem plausible. And if they do it that way, I, I don't see that working. I don't see Alabama, when it comes to paying players, kowtowing to the likes of an Arkansas who has one national championship that they won during the earliest parts of the Vietnam War when I'm pretty sure Vietnam was still part of China, uh, or French Indochina, sorry. I just don't see that happening. It just doesn't really make logical sense. So then what are they going to do? Well, they're going to need some kind of leadership. And I think that leadership, people go to what they know. They're not going to go from a monarchy to the United States of America's, you know, democracy. They're just, they're not. It's just not how people who have been in a system for so long think, in my opinion. Anyway, I'm rambling, but I just, it's not plausible. It doesn't seem feasible. And while it sounds cool on paper, I don't see it happening. And that's why the Super League, fun to talk about, is my least likely scenario. Now, if you think I'm wrong and you think that I'm wrong about a lot of things and you think that, hey, when Max says least likely, I know to bet most likely, well, go put some money on it. Send me your bet stub. Show me why I'm wrong and maybe I'll even throw you a little extra cash on Venmo just because I'm, uh, I'm feeling generous and I like that you called me out. But if you're going to do it, you got to bet at betonline.ag. Go make an account now. Promo code locked on. They'll give you a welcome bonus. So you put 100 bucks in. You get a 50% welcome bonus. They'll give you an extra 50. The Olympics are on right now. Bet on literally anyone but Team USA Basketball. BetOnline.ag. That's Alpha Golf. Promo code locked on.
All right, so I gave you my least likely. Now I'm going to give you my most likely, and then we're going to talk about my third scenario tomorrow when I have one of the other guys on. Spoiler alert, that's going to be a merger, and I'm really excited to break that one down, but I don't want to go into merger details unless I've got someone to bounce ideas off of. I mean, I guess it's all merger details, but y'all get what I mean. So here's what I think is a more likely scenario that I've seen rumblings about today. Initially, we heard Kansas had talked to the Big Ten Today, very credible sources are saying, yeah, that didn't happen. That's a no-go. Kansas is not going to the Big Ten. That doesn't surprise me. We are starting to see that the group of five is scrambling. They're wondering, how can I get on the boat? The Big 12 is losing two major powers, and they're going to be down to eight teams. The SEC is going up to 16. It stands to reason the ACC and the Big Ten will want to follow suit to at least that. The Pac-12 probably does too, but unless they promote some Mountain West teams, which I have no idea why that would be in their interest, I don't see them getting there because I just can't think of enough teams that make sense. However, I I don't think it's going to be group of five teams jumping up that we need to look out for. Because I think there's a group of six conference that has very smartly, in my opinion, carved out that niche of We are the next best, or we're the best of the rest, right? The best of the rest. We are the group of six, the American Athletic Conference, the AAC. They have been pitching this message for, what, five years now? Maybe six. The AAC seems to be the conference that is most focused on let's get that non-AQ at-large bid and let's prove we belong with the group of five or the, the power five. I'm sorry. They've been doing the you know UCF national championship thing. Memphis was a big was a big hit for them. They've got Cincinnati right now, who people were putting in the top ten at one point last year, and a lot of early polls have in the top ten this year. I think they don't want to see people leave their conference and make them the next Big East that just collapses. And frankly, I don't think they have that high of an opinion of the Big Twelve. I think they probably looked at the Pac twelve as the one that. Most didn't belong in the Power Five. But I think the Big 12 was very clearly the second most, right? They had Oklahoma. I'm not going to say I'm sorry for my friends that went to Texas listening to this. I doubt any of y'all are, but if you went to Texas, I apologize. To me, Texas is not on Oklahoma's level. They just aren't. There's been some back and forth. I think Texas is great at beating Oklahoma when Texas is bad and Oklahoma has something to play for but they haven't had the same success on the national stage. They haven't had the Heisman winners. They haven't had the playoff appearances. Oklahoma has in across really any measurable you could think of almost dominated that conference. So if Oklahoma's leaving and Texas is leaving, I don't think that you can look at me with a straight face, unless you're damn good at playing poker and tell me that the big 12 still deserves an automatic qualifying bid to anything, to anything. Sure, okay, I take that back. They're, they're current tie-ins, yes. But what with a, does an eight-team Big 12 without Texas, without Oklahoma, what, have they, what do they have any business doing in the New Year's Six? What do they have any business doing in the playoff? You're telling me if one team beats those other seven teams? Oh, good job. You ran through Lubbock. You ran through Baylor. Oh, congratulations. How did you ever get out of Manhattan, Kansas with a W? Wow, that must have been really, really challenging for you. 
here's a New Year's Six Bowl. Come on. I mean, just come on. Give me a break. So I think the AAC is going to start picking up the phone. I think they're going to say, hey, geographically, a lot of your teams make sense. Skill-wise, a lot of your teams make sense. There's going to be a lot of talk, I'd imagine, of pulling your AQ status. So you can try to grab four of our teams and hope you get the best four and hope they bring it back. Or you bring your eight teams over here, and we now have another super conference, and we're going to retain that AQ status. And now there's a benefit for the Big 12 because they do get some of those major markets, I guess, that they get to play in. They get Cincinnati. They get UCF, which is in Florida. I mean, you know, how big is that fan base? I'll tell you what, it's growing. I don't know. I think it makes a lot of sense. So that's probably the most likely scenario I see from the information we have now. Folks, full disclosure, that could change. This week, I imagine the info drip will not stop. We'll see more tweets. We'll see more texts. We'll see more screenshots. And I'm sure we'll see more articles. I'll tell you what, you'll definitely see more Locked On Seminoles. We got episodes for you every single day this week. We're going to have four more great shows. They're going to be four great ones. Folks, if you like this one, please go and rate, review, like share, subscribe, what's it called? Follow now, do all that stuff. Or, you know, tweet at us. I love when y'all engage to the the man. I'm sorry, I don't have my Twitter pulled up right now that took a moment to tweet at me that, you know, you enjoyed the Bobby Bowden, I guess, uh, speech or segment I did on Friday. Really appreciate that. Glad I was able to, you know, offer that cathartic experience and, and put some of your thoughts out on the airwaves for you. I, I, it's always good to hear that, you know, Someone, someone related with it, especially on an issue that is that, is that personal. So folks, y'all have a great week. Y'all have a strong Monday. And we will see you bright and early Tuesday morning right here at Locked on Seminoles.